Welcome to AFMA 360. I'm your host, Chris DeChant. Today, we're continuing staff interviews, and with me, I have EMS coordinator, Brody Marshall. How are you doing today, Brody? I'm doing fairly well. How about yourself? Good. I think I'm doing better than you are. We just had a little bit of a discussion. You're you're one of the folks, I think, that isn't super excited about being interviewed, but I'm really looking forward to this. Opportunities. There you go. <laughs> Clearly an opportunity. Okay, so... Uh, I did talk to you before. You've watched, you know, uh, at least one of these podcasts, so it's going to be the same format. So we'll start out if you're ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. Cool. Let's tell uh, tell us just a little bit about your childhood and, and where you grew up. So I didn't grow up in one place in particular. I had a uh, pretty uh, unique experience in my childhood. Six or seven, we lived in Montana, which was very rural, uh, base of the Rockies, beautiful country. Uh, we lived on some acreage and lived like uh, country folk live back in the 80s. Uh, from there, we moved to the Hopi Indian Reservation, where right. I spent my formidable years. Okay. And uh, lived there for right up until I started uh, my freshman year of high school. We moved to... Gila Bend, where I uh, finished up high school, graduated, uh, went on to college at Abilene Christian University in Texas, uh, played basketball, went there for one year, eh, tuition wasn't worth the uh, amount of time and effort I was putting into a college education. <laughs> so, a few of us, I think, have found that in a couple of the other interviews that I think all of our paths are a little bit different in how we end up in the fire service. But like you, uh, I went down to U of A my, my freshman year, you know, right out of high school mm -hmm. and enjoyed the nightlife a little bit too much and, and probably didn't put the effort in. So <laughs> here I am, right? Yeah, when you uh, don't successfully complete bowling as one of your electives, it's probably time to wow, okay, find a yeah. different path. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you talked a little bit about different places you've lived. So in Montana, did have you done the leadership training already with uh, Dr. No. Dr. Crandall? No. So he actually lives in Montana, so mm -hmm. that might be a, a point of uh, discussion with him to see where he grew up versus where he lives now. I mean, it's a huge state, but not, you know, super populated, so I'm sure you're going to reference some points, you know, that you, that both you and he know about. When you moved to the Hopi Reservation, was it due to a family or like yeah, a job? Or? Yeah, my dad got a job as the athletic director at Hopi High School. And so I was in elementary school at that point in time. So spent elementary school and junior high um, on the Hopi Indian Reservation. Cool. Which was a unique experience. I yeah. Was, uh, the only Anglo person in the school. And your and your dad, obviously. Was he a, was he a teacher there in addition to being a coach or, or how no, did that? No, he was just the athletic director. Oh, the athletic director. Yeah. Okay. So, but still, like, like. Uh, what the equivalent would be, at least nowadays, is like almost like a vice principal level position. So I guess my point is you went to school and he was definitely around. So like didn't get away from dad even, even when you went to school, right? <laughs> no. As a matter of fact, when we went to, when we moved to Gila Bend, he took a job as the principal oh, of the high school. Even better. I yeah. attended. So yeah, I know there was no getting away. Wow. <laughs> So did you uh, play sports? Do school? Like, what did you what did you do as you were growing up? Oh, played sports. Definitely played sports and a lot of uh, extracurricular activities. Okay, but, uh, St stuff that we need to stay away. Well, probably. statute of limitations. Yeah, we're, statute we're about limitations. the same age, so you're, you're you're probably okay with some of that stuff. Yeah. No, as if you've been to Gila Bend, there's not a whole bunch to do. Yeah. So you find things to do, and they aren't always things that could get you in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. 
And, and that probably didn't help due to what your dad's position was at the high school either. I'm guessing the communication was, uh, the pathway was probably pretty quick, right? As far as him finding out what you had, what you had gotten into. You know, I thought I could get away with stuff and I couldn't. I think we're all, once again, I, I think we're all kind of in that role. You, you think you put one over on your folks and then you, you figure out pretty quickly that that doesn't happen, right? Yeah. And he was the, uh, he was not the guy that would play favorites either. So. If I did something that somebody else would get detention for, I got suspended for it because he never wanted the perception that I was uh, being treated differently. So I, I very once again had a very similar experience to you. My dad coached me in a lot of sports growing up, and that mm-hmm. was the thing. Like uh, he wasn't out to prove that I wasn't going to get a benefit out of being the coach's kid, but at the same time, like I think at times when I screwed up, like I might have uh, had to go a little bit farther on things than you know maybe some of the other players did, just because he wanted to make sure that it was that was not the case, right? right. Like I wasn't getting a pass as the coach's kid. Yeah, yeah. So cool. So uh, what were you majoring in when you when you went to college? General studies. I had no direction. Okay. So you go to Texas, you're in school for a little while. Did you come back to Gila Bend? I did. I came back to Gila Bend, uh, lived, moved back in with my parents. They allowed that for about six months and said, Hey, you've got to do something. Once again, very similar experience. (laughs) My, uh, my folks weren't super happy when I moved back in with them on might've been on academic probation at the time with, (laughs) with U of A. I had all of, um, I'm not kidding, like six credit hours that actually transferred back when I went to GCC then at that point. So I definitely, I definitely know what you're talking about there. So, uh, you come back, what did you end up, what did you end up doing then? I really, uh, I was just kind of moseying around, hanging around the house, not doing anything. And my dad, brought home an application for the town of Gila Bend who was running the ambulance at the time and said, I think you might like this. Um, why don't you check into getting into EMT school and uh, see what you're doing? Very cool. Strongly suggested I do something other than sit around. And so you're <laughs> living under his house, yeah. probably under his <laughs> rules at that point. Probably a smart, smart move for you to make. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. It was. Where'd you go to EMT school at? Uh, I went to EMT, EMT school at Buckeye Valley, believe it or not. Really? Yep. Okay. So were they um, like affiliated with the community college program or do you No, do you they remember? were doing their own thing. They really? were doing their own classes, their own training center. And uh, Carl Cummings, I believe, was the instructor back then. Okay. So you get your EMT, start working on the AMBO there? Yeah, started working on uh, the AMBO. Gila Bend was running it at the time, and it was... Uh, just a step up from volunteer. I mean, it was full time, but you kind of just hung out at your house. You had a radio, you took the rescue and responded. Um, initially we were BLS. Uh, Fred Baldridge was working back down there at the same time. We were BLS a lot of times. So I spent probably the first year, well, about eight months of my EMT career, BLS transports from Gila Bend to Maryville, which okay. was the uh, closest open facility yeah we were, we're comparing some dates and and i think back then west valley was just a freestanding er right in in goodyear off of litchfield right there just south of the i-10 it was just south of the i-10 and uh there was uh, no entrance to it and there was a dog that sat by the door you just wheeled right into the room and yeah yeah just was, but but once again just a freestanding er no yep. ability to admit anybody no. Uh, probably at that time when you were working AMBOs and I was working as an ER tech at, at Maryville, that was pretty interesting because we did kind of get everything uh, pretty much in the western part of the state at that point because we're the closest facility. Yeah, yeah, to anywhere out west. 
Cool. So you're doing that. How long, how long did you do that for? Uh, the EMT thing, uh, Sean Newton. I don't know if you know Sean. I do. Yeah. Uh, Sean was working out in Gila band. We had a pretty good crew that I got to grow up with. Mike Billingsley, who went on to be a captain with Phoenix. Yep. Uh, Mike Glover, they were all working out there as our medics. So Sean's, uh, girlfriend at the time, Lisa was flying for native air and she worked at County. And so they kind of got me into the program before, because back then you had to be in the field a year before you could apply to medic school. So I was in that application range. Uh, Lisa got me an interview to get into medic school. And uh, before my year was up, my year, medic school started after my year was completed. But she got me an early interview and uh, got into medic school, went down that route. Were you you planning to stay out of Gila Bend at that point, or were you thinking about going somewhere else? You know, I really didn't have much thought at the time. I, I knew that we needed medics in Gila Bend, and so I made the decision that I would pay to medic school, go to medic school, and uh, see where it led me. Okay. So it doesn't sound like you grew up a lot like me. I didn't. I didn't grow up knowing that I wanted to be a firefighter. Was that ever really like in the back of your mind, or did you just kind of fall into the into nope. the profession? Just stumbled into it blindly. I, I had a very similar experience. I, I went through uh, medic school at GCC, and one of my medic classmates was a captain out in Guadalupe. And um, they were starting a brand new ALS program out there uh, right when we got done with with uh, school. And so at the time, I thought I wanted to go pre med. I was going to go back down to U of A and try to go to through, put myself through school. And uh, he said, "Well, why don't you come out and work for me in Guad? Just working private ambos, you know, doing mm-hmm. mostly inner facilities." And so I get hired out there, and then he told me, then he's like, oh, well, hey, uh, you can't be on the fire truck just as a paramedic, so you have to go through a one and two academy. And, and then we did our first live burn, and, man, then I was, I was hooked. I was like, forget medical school. You know, I, I want to go become a firefighter. So similar experience for you, or, or how, did that, how did that all work out? Yeah, well, the, vol- the fire department in Gila Bend was volunteer. And so uh, when I started, uh, Fred and I were actually both about the same time. They had no... One and two certified firefighters uh, on the volunteer fire department. So in that meantime, after completing EMT school, before going to medic school, uh, I took my one and two, coincidentally, at Buckeye Valley as well. Oh, wow. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> it's amazing that you ended up working there, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I've never really left Buckeye Valley. But uh, yeah, I took my one and two and, and uh, fell in love with it. It's a, it is a fun thing to do. Okay, so what what year was that? So you're in between EMT and paramedic, right? So yeah, I think EMT was ninety five. I think I took one and two in ninety six, and medic in ninety seven. Okay, cool. So you get done. Uh, so you're now one and two firefighter. Mm-hmm. Get your medic. So you're still working for uh, Gila Bend at the time. I am. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Gila Bend couldn't financially support running an ambulance uh, due to the call volume and. Other things, and so Rural Metro came in and took over uh, the ambulance for Gila Bend, so we got uh, lumped in with Rural Metro out of Yuma, and so we had the opportunity to do, su- to do suppression stuff in Yuma for overtime, and eventually Maricopa, how the corporate structure at Rural was at the time, Maricopa said, hey, we want that because it's in Maricopa County, so we got transferred to Maricopa County on the uh, just the medical services side, and... Uh, so that really put a damper on things as far as suppression goes. 
And so uh, hung out there. Eventually, Rural Metro pulled out, and uh, Buckeye came in and said, we'll take over the ambulance. And uh, Chief Landford came down and said, uh, you guys are welcome to stay and work for Buckeye Valley if you want, or you can uh, go seek op- opportunity elsewhere. So and so you decided to, uh, to, to stay. stay for Buckeye. It was stay with Buckeye Valley. That was back in uh, 2000. Okay. When, so uh, 20, 23 years later now, right? Yep. What are some changes you've seen? You've been in the fire service. We're, we're comparing notes. We've been in, you know, been doing this about the same amount of time. What are some things that you've seen change over the, the last 23 or so years? One of the biggest things I think is, is really the technology's changed. If I look back and we were lucky to get a solid three lead and uh, now we're doing 12 leads. We used to, uh, I don't know if you remember, but we used to put blood on the glucose strip and wait 30 seconds, wipe it off and hold it up to the bottle and guess what the blood sugar was. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> so just the amount now we're looking at Lucas devices, 12 leads, and I can't imagine that we're not going to make giant leaps and bounds in technology over the next five years. You know, I've talked before, and, and I think it was when, um, you know, I interviewed uh, Chief Ells and Chris Barden. We we're talking about the Nemesis 3.5 conversion back in the day, you know, using paper-based charts, mm-hmm. having to really document well. And then if you needed to make an addendum, if you forgot something, it was another piece of paper. You ended up having to go back to the hospital. The, even the technology aspect alone with using an iPad and, and image trend for documentation, it's huge, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's been amazing, and I can't imagine that the survival rates aren't reflected in the technology advancements. Yeah, we actually have a chance to look at data on a real time basis, make tweaks to whatever you know uh, training we need to provide, right? Get that rolled out to the folks that are out there doing the business in, in a much more timely manner. Absolutely. Cool. Anything else that you've seen? You know that you and, and I know. Once again, we started at about the same time, so. You look at the difference with air packs, you know, the radio systems that we use. I mean, there have, there have been a lot of changes. There have been. Um, another big one, I think, is just the attitude towards mental health. That's a huge change, you know, from up until just recently, I would say it was suck it up and go do your job. Absolutely. I had a chance to interview Matt Licardi and, and Dave Alling, you know, who are, are two major players with our, within our peer support team. And mm-hmm. both of those guys said, and, and it's really uh, enlightening to hear that even at fire stations now, crews are much more open about discussing, you know, challenges that they have. Because like when you and I started, that was it, right? Like didn't matter how horrific of a of a 962 scene that you went on, or if you had like a fatality in a fire or a drowning, you know, with a kid, you just had to suck it up and move on. And so it sounds like, you know, that our folks now are one willing to talk about it and two willing to get help. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's uh that's a foreign concept to me is probably you as well, but I'm warming up to it. I see the benefits of it and it's a good thing. That, that's because we're we're getting old, er, Brody. I, I, I've been careful not to say old. I mean, I, I feel old, but we're older. We're we're more experienced in our careers. Right? I'm old, that's, but I'm not grown up. Yeah, there there you go. Well, yeah, we'll always have that that three year old <laughs> mentality, right? Otherwise, we wouldn't be wouldn't be firefighters. Absolutely, best job in the world. Absolutely. So, anything else that you want to cover before we uh, we wrap up? And I la- ask you the the last question. Uh, no, I think. Uh... I think we're getting close to my time limit. Okay. Or, or not. We can go as long as you want to. Uh, well, we're 
getting close to my limit. How about that? We'll <laughs> okay. remove the time from it and just call it my limit. There you go. Okay. Like I said, I knew you were super excited to come and <laughs> come and do this interview in the first place. Okay. Last question I ask everybody. What is one thing that is unique or interesting about yourself that the folks that you work with wouldn't know about? Uh, there's, there's a select few that know. I don't think I have any too deeply held secrets. My crew knows this, guys I've worked with. But the uh, partners at AFMA probably don't. I am a huge Taylor Swift fan and have been for many years. Really? Yeah. Okay, so a couple of weekends ago, did you did you partake in all of that, or, or I'm how did a that? Huge Taylor Swift fan, but I am not uh, financially irresponsible enough to spend that kind of money to go see a concert. It was crazy. <laughs> did, did you look into tickets at all? Yeah, of course I did. So, uh, yeah, well, yeah, what should go without saying, right? What were they? What was the the range? Uh, when I looked, they were going between seven hundred and a thousand dollars. Really? Yeah. And those were probably like the more of the. I mean, yeah, those weren't the, good the arena. It's a good place to see a concert without a doubt, but those were probably the upper upper yeah. level. That wasn't like yeah. down on the floor or anything even close to the stage. I right? would like to to have gone, but I just couldn't bring myself to spend that much money for three hours of my life. Yeah, that is well. You can you can watch it on Netflix or uh, there's a lot of other YouTube. There's a lot of other venues that There'll are be to watch a documentary. That, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I saw most of the concert streamed on Facebook, people or yeah. uh, Instagram. Okay, so media so how long have you been a? Or so or would you consider yourself like a super fan or just kind of a no, fan? No, I'm just or? a fan of her music. I think she's one of the most talented uh, musicians slash producers, songwriters of our generation. So her whole genre, because she started out like really country, right? And then went a little bit more mainstream. I liked her a lot more when she was country. But, uh, I mean, that's the general evolution of most most of them don't stay in country for sure. too long. Yeah, well, so, if you, if you want to be super successful, get the, right? Get the fan base, yeah. Yeah. So. Very like cool. Her early stuff better, but she's still... Still number one in your heart? Absolutely. All right. <laughs> Anything else you want to cover before we wrap up today? No, we're excited to, uh, I'm excited to join AF, but it's a kind of a tough transition for me after being here for 23 years and seeing, growing up in this place, uh, it's tough, bittersweet, but I'm uh, looking forward to the new opportunities. Well, it's really cool with your perspective too. It, it, it goes much deeper than just, you know, officially working for Buckeye Valley. I mean, you, as you said, you go back to day one, like being trained as an EMT. So the entrance, a very early entrance into this field, and you were trained at Buckeye Valley, did your one and two there. I mean, it, it, it really, it just speaks to, you know, your, your commitment, not only to the profession, but then to Buckeye Valley also. Yes. Yes. All right. <laughs> yes, there you absolutely. go. Absolutely. Do, do you know that that's the, that's the only one word answer that you gave me in this whole interview? So I know that you were, I know you weren't worried about that, but, uh, you had said maybe that was going to happen a little bit. So, well, to the uh, fellow coworkers who were scared of it, it's not that bad. I'm glad. I'm <laughs> glad to hear that. See, we we talked about that before. I mm -hmm. think that's to a T. And and Abraham, you're behind the camera right now. Would you agree that even the folks that have not really wanted to be interviewed, at the end of it, they said it's not too bad, right? It's just been a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Not not too stressful. Yeah, I think they they all said that, and you probably have this the same feeling. You probably would have rather talk to somebody else rather than me, but a much better host. But you know, it it wasn't too too painful. Hopefully, no, it was great. It was great. Thanks for having me. Cool. Well, thank you for joining us. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thanks for joining us again on AFMA three hundred and sixty. 
Be safe, and I hope you have a great day.